Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glasser, come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And on our latest episode, hitting radio stations worldwide as well, go ahead and check it out because we cover the latest video game news that's because there's a ton of video games coming out right now. It is video game season. Once September hits, it is video game release after big video game release. So we cover it all this week on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Chris Sardieri. Who knows? Maybe even Magic Man might stop by to talk NFL Week Six. What's going on there? Some injuries. I know my teams are going to have to do some shuffling after the latest injury news. Go ahead and hear what we have to say at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Plus also as well, of course, Joe Soro. He is out and about. He said be in, he would be in and out all week because he is uh, traveling at this point in time. So he is on another side of the country than what he's used to. But go ahead and support his company still because it's still available to you today. Simblades. Simblades with a Y.com. And you know he's still talking about the Lakers. That's Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. Hopefully he'll stop by. But again, he is on vacation, so to speak. So go ahead and still support him today at Simblades. Plus, also as well, Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, and Jamie Sweet, our performing guy, because he's going to perform in Southern California some music later on this week. Go ahead and catch both those guys each and every day at lakerholics.com plus our good friends empire jeff tv lakers and five and john mccallion those three guys have got great youtube channels that you need to support after us of course you watch ours then go watch theirs of course empire jeff tv of course as well lakers and five and of course the john mccallion channel Go ahead and subscribe today and speaking of subscribing we're now up to 1083 subscribers Truly appreciate everyone who has subscribed to our channel. Please go ahead and click on that little Joe. That's okay. If you poke his eye out, that's okay. He's got another one he can use. He's still in the Midwest. It's okay. Won't hurt his feelings too much. Plus, you'll be subscribed to get the latest notifications on when we go live. 
with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Well, welcome to the NHL season as well. Congratulations to the Golden Knights who are getting their rings here in just a few minutes and officially getting the banner put up there and all that. So congratulations to them. I saw the big crowds heading into the T-Mobile Arena where the Lakers were last night. And in doing so, they did win 129 to 126, but it was how they won, especially in the first half where they shot a ton of threes. And in fact, for a team that shot an average 31 attempts a game from behind the arc last season, the quote from Darvin Ham, I'm paraphrasing here, but after the game, he said, we want, definitely want to shoot more threes, but we don't want to go crazy. But the Lakers ended up shooting 55 threes, which is almost double what they averaged last year. Is this a good thing? with the talent roster that we have. And also, word comes today of a Dave McMenamin piece on ESPN about how Darvin Ham also wants AD to shoot six threes a game. Is this a good thing? I had my discussion back and forth with Zangerstein, one of our awesome people in our chat that's always there. Should we go ahead and continue that process to allow or ask AD to go, because he's going to do it whether he wants to, Anthony Davis to go ahead and shoot six threes a game. We'll see if that's a smart idea here on the show as well. Plus, we got a letter earlier today. We got an email, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Shano responded to it. Uh, Joe had his uh, response as well. Uh, but I will have my response if we are too harsh on JHS. And I told Magic Man I wanted to start at six, but I had to start at seven. I got delayed. Why did I get delayed? Because it's Amazon Prime Days. I'll tell you what Laker deals you can get on Amazon Prime Day as well. But first, it is three ball, which, again, the Lakers are looking more into leaning to. They do have more shooters this time around that they're incorporating into the rotation. Austin Reeves is starting from the get-go, a 40% shooter last season, right thereabouts. Also as well, D'Angelo Russell, and also a 40% shooter. And, of course, Torian Prince, who says he's going to be a 40% shooter this season. He's 38% last year. You've got Christian Wood, who was 38% last year. So the Lakers are trying to bring in more shooting to the mix. Is that necessarily a good thing? Because it does take away, while it is good for some things, it does take away from others. And here today to discuss that with me, a good man indeed. He's the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to shoot some threes and let it rain. It is Magic Man, Sean Grice. Magic Man, great to have you here, my friend. Looking forward to a good conversation for the next hour about the Lakers. And uh, before we get into tomorrow's game, as far as that's concerned with the Kings at the Honda Center in Anaheim, take that came up both Saturday and also yesterday, was the increased number of attempts from three. Now, they did shoot at a good percentage in the first half, and it worked out to 75 points in the first half. But your thoughts, Darvin Ham has made some comments about shooting more threes but not going too crazy. They almost ended up doubling their average in yesterday's game. And then Anthony Davis being asked to shoot six threes a game himself which I'm assuming you can also throw in LeBron 7 to 10, maybe even increasing his load from outside the arc. Your thoughts on the wisdom 
or maybe not so much wisdom on shooting more threes for this team or having the right players shoot the three. Uh, great, great segue, Gerald. You know, I have to say this. Do you remember that old uh, uh, fable about Peter Cottontail? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what happened when he went into Mr. McGregor's garden too many times? Uh, I've only read the story once when I was a kid, so you have to refresh my memory. It's been yeah. just a few years since I've yeah. been told earlier today. Yeah, so the McGregors ate uh, rabbit stew for dinner. Uh, oh. And I, I think that's uh, kind of the way Laker fans should kind of look at this idea of AD shooting six threes a game. Uh, Gerald, in doing some uh, research for the segment, uh, happened to come across uh, – two very interesting uh, numbers. So Mm -hmm. in 660 career regular season games, Gerald, how many times do you think AD has shot over six threes a game? Just ballpark. I'd say three to five. Ladies and gentlemen, on the nose, Gerald Glassford, yes, five times. Now he's done it twice with the Lakers, Gerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did it three times with the Pelicans. Because he actually, it. that's when he had his best shooting, was when actually he was paired alongside DeMarcus Cousins 2017. I noted it on last night's show about 34%. That's the highest he has ever been. And the last three seasons, he has been well below 30, and in one of those seasons, below 20. And we're asking him to shoot more. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of befuddling. But uh, again, maybe this is all a decoy that uh, Ham is just kind of throwing out there. It could be. Uh, on the other hand, it's uh, a little disconcerting that the fact that he he averaged less than a three at, as an attempt per game in the playoffs. He played sixteen games. He had fifteen threes. He was five of fifteen. So now you're wanting to increase that. From one to six. Yeah. And by the way, he's never shot over 20 attempts per season ever, Gerald. So that would be another thing they're asking him to do. By the, the way, ball. Devotion's asking for a live reading for you uh, of Peter Cottontail. I'll tell you what, maybe when he restarts Magic Man in the morning, that'll be good morning reading. Good morning, kids. How are you today? Let's go read some Peter Cottontail. About <laughs> it, shall we? It's a By nice the way, story. speaking of speaking of kids, my friend, uh, my our good my good friend Rob McCallum, his, his the documentary that he did on Mr. Dress Up, uh, the magic of make believe, uh, that debuted on Amazon Prime. Is getting a ton of praise, and uh, I know as anybody from Canada. Uh, if you do want to go ahead and check that out, it's a tearjerker at the end. I will tell you that. I got a chance to see it last night. So, yeah. Uh, Gerald, Mr. Dress Up was uh, a big part of my childhood. I, and... I would suggest checking out if you have uh, yeah. Amazon Prime in Canada or Prime yeah. in U.S. or anywhere. It's, Am- it's on Amazon Prime, period, right now. So I will. I will because um, that it was a big part of my mother's childhood and she passed it on to me. And, and uh, yeah, Mr. Dress Up was just uh, a great... Uh, character in uh, Canadian television. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a tearjerker in the end. I will get your Kleenex ready. I'll leave you. Yeah, for sure. But I'm just, I'm very skeptical, Gerald. And, and, you know, it's, it's really skittish for him to talk about 
you know, putting AD away from the basket because as we've seen, the aggressiveness tails off big time the further he gets out there. And it's less opportunities for him to crash the boards. Now, if we're talking about a situation where perhaps he's playing with Christian Wood or Jackson Hayes, I might be less skeptical about him shooting a, a handful. But th- the fact remains is that Woods had one decent game rebounding. He's got nine boards in two games, Gerald. Hayes has been the more active of the two. So I think it's really going to be touch and go about how, what kind of offense is the Lakers run with either AD and Hayes on the floor or AD and Wood. Mm-hmm. I, it, again, to me, it's just kind of confusing. You got a guy that's so skilled down low and that there's not too many players that can compete with him down low. And yet you have them further and further out and I'm assuming if the green light is for AD to shoot more threes, then the green light is even more so. Although, again, are you going to tell LeBron not to stop shooting threes? I know we as a fan base love to and have over the course of the past season plus, but as the coach, you're not going to tell him to stop shooting threes. That might give him the impetus if he sees AD shooting more threes. He might shoot more threes. And at that percentages, I'm not exactly thrilled by that synopsis because that to me the possessions that you have yeah it means more possessions but it also may mean the fact we're not getting to the free throw line as much i don't know how will that affect the transition it may improve the scoring which would be great but i'm not sure if it's the best thing because it will take some of the things away that we were so good at last season yeah and and quite frankly you know, there, there's been a handful of games for sure. AD look, did look like a, a Dirk Nowitzki clone from beyond, but not consistently. You can't ask, you can't ask AD to become Dirk overnight. Um, Gerald, there, and usually they're specialists. Like that's that's the big difference here. Is Dirk Dirk was special? There there really hasn't been a Dirk since. Um, AD's game is the like you said the mid post in. He's one of the most dominant players in his generation, and he's an efficient offensive player. Um, the great three point shooters who are big men were usually specialists. Like Channing Frye, I believe Gerald. Correct me if I'm wrong. Shot a career shot over forty percent from three, but Channing Frye was a specialist. He wasn't a go-to star. He was a, he was a role player. Troy Murphy until he came to the Lakers uh, was a very good three point shooter and a, a specialist as a role player. You know, AD shoot. Do you know who AD's comp is from the, from the three Gerald Brad Miller. Do you remember the great Brad Miller Gerald for yeah. uh, the bulls and Kings fame? Six eleven Purdue, I think is was his college. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but he wasn't known as a threat from the three-point line. He could make them, yes. but he wasn't a threat. And I think that's kind of where we are with AD. So he's I mean, you're a, just playing it to me. You're just playing it to the defense's hands. hands. If you're, he's out there more often, and he's shooting from there more often. I just think that going by statistical analysis, which I know – seeing how it has not worked for Dave Roberts in this playoffs for the Dodgers. I get the fact that, okay, 
maybe it's not something you should always entrust. But in this case, less than 30%, three seasons in a row. Usually that forms a pattern. And and sometimes you'll hear like John Collins. He had a finger that was really mangled last season. His numbers went down from behind the arc, got a surgery. So maybe you could go ahead and say, okay, we're going to go ahead and give him a shot to go ahead and put up as many threes as he can because that might have been a misnomer. Or, you know, it's Jason Tatum, I heard, had the same thing with his wrist that he hurt in the right. playoffs a couple seasons ago against the Bucks. Okay, if he's got it fixed, all right, and he's got it, okay, that's fine. But AD does not, to my knowledge, have any type of hand, wrist, finger injuries outside of the normal wear and tear over a dozen seasons, if I'm not mistaken, at this point in time. Yeah, no, you're not mistaken. You're 100% yeah. correct. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's really no issue or qualms with that. And, you know, like, we talk a lot about reverting to the mean, ladies and gentlemen in our audience, and usually it reverts to the mean. So if he took six threes a game he might make one or two on average now once in a while he's going to make three or four but that's going to be once every four or five games we saw what happened when we got gluttonous with the three-point shooting Gerald. it was just out of order just very chaotic uh a lot of disorder especially corralling rebounds on the offensive glass i mean it it, it behooves a team that if you're going to play five out, at least one or two people need to be below the free throw line in order to be able to secure a sec uh, offensive board in the secondary possession. We didn't get a lot of that. And not only that, we found ourselves with at least three or four guys below the three uh, free throw line, still not able to corral the rebound. And we got absolutely murdered in transition we were one of the worst transition defenses before that trade was was made gerald and denver ate our lunch in transition in the western conference finals based well, that's on one the thing when you take more threes you leave yourself open for that and if you're not a good uh, transition defense in the first place that's not really helping your cause now I'm not saying I don't mind more threes. I'm not going to go on like Clint Eastwood and go out on the you know, middle of my lawn, right. all you know, all that. I want them shooting more threes. It's just that I want the right people shooting more threes and AD and LeBron to benefit for them by being able to have a wide open lane or more open lane so that they can do their thing down low or drive to the basket. That's what I'm looking forward to because you see the numbers in the uh, article that uh, Dave McMenamin posted today on ESPN. I'll give you one of them right now. This really, really accentuates why I am concerned. And I don't think Z saw this statistic, but check this out, my friend. Anthony Davis had an effective field goal percentage of 38% on jumpers in the regular season and playoffs. That ranks him dead last. Dead last among 245 players with at least 500 jump shot attempts in the past three seasons. Dead last, man. Dead last. And you want him to shoot more from the outside. What am I missing? No, you're not missing anything. Wow. And wow. Uh, you are the Hello. very last <laughs> name on the page there. We had to get to the 
We had to get to the end of the page, AD, to find you there. Come on, Durvinham. Come on, coach. Like, this is getting patently ridiculous here. Last, you know, inefficient, the most inefficient. That That is an issue. And that needs to be corrected by taking less. I, I mean... It, there's also been a regression with his with his um, selection as well, Gerald. He averaged three and a half his first year with the Lakers, and then it went down to two point eight. And it, yeah, it went down to underneath that. Uh, you know, that went down to because Angerstein and, Ar- and I were arguing. Well, he hasn't shot three attempts per game. Well, the first season he shot under thirty percent three seasons ago. He was shooting two point eight attempts a game. Then it got worse. As he got worse and he got less, which actually was a good thing. If he shoots less when he was shooting under 20%, like he did two seasons ago, that's okay. And then he shot less last season as well. Uh, I know Zangerstein had talked about, you know, going and having him shoot three, four, five. You know, I don't even think she was actually talking about six times a game like Darvin Ham is considering. But again, we are harping on it because to me, every. The numbers just don't bear it out unless something has fundamentally changed for Anthony Davis in his jump shooting from distance that he is more consistent like he was in that bubble season. Because you you just really point out and you stress on that bubble playoffs. I get it. But that was one moment, one era in time. He has never been able to replicate that as a Laker. Are you confident that he's going to be able to do that now? Now that he's being asked to shoot it upwards of four, five, six times a game by Darvin Ham. I'm less confident than I was a year ago and the year before. Uh, you know, lightning can strike several times in the same place, but I, I mean, it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle again, Gerald. You make a good point there. That's tough. Not to mention the fact that the last time he shot, I believe, above 35% was again during the bubble. He shot 38%. That's the only three. time he's yeah. is in those playoff short he runs. Were, yes, yes. So it, I mean, it it was it was a it was a good change of rhythm, I guess, for the offense. The fact that he was able to to be in that kind of zone, but you know, times are different now. And like you said, Gerald. It, let's 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 look at the offense pragmatically. Okay. If they're going to shoot more threes, that means there's going to be less transition opportunities. Mm-hmm. That may also lead to less free throw opportunities. Now, as Gerald just uh, just poignantly uh, added, uh, you don't want to you don't want a plumber to do the job of an electrician. In other words, AD is so potent down low that the further you move them out, the the, the less uh, frequency we're going to have free throws for a person who's a career. Well, let me over ask it. this. Let me tell you this. What did we talk about last season, my friend, who was number one in the NBA in free throw differential? And it wasn't even close. It was like historic numbers as far as how the big, the big difference for one team, for as far as the team that's actually getting to the line to the team that's not getting line. Because remember, we talked about the Lakers they got to the foul line the most. They took the most free throws by far than anyone in the NBA. And they fouled the least in the NBA. So that differential was the best thing you could do for, for free throws right there. And 
by shooting more threes, you will be taking away some of that. And if you're going to do that, you have to put it in the hands of people that are going to be able to hit the three at a required rate of 35%, 37%, 40%. Those are those are things that we have to now. Zangerstein is still trying to go ahead and stay on that mountain in our chat, the best Lakers chat room that's out there, the Lakers fast break, by saying he needs variance in his game. Okay, how much variance do you want during the course of the game? Because if he's taking more threes, LeBron is probably going to be taking more threes because he sees he's going to be at the green line. I just, again, based off the numbers and statistics that are out there, I'm not sure if it bears that out that they should be the ones that take more threes. I don't mind the Lakers absolutely taking more threes. I have no problem with that. It's just who that takes it that I have kind of concerns over. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, so you had watched The Tomorrow War before The Matrix. Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, because like you said, Gerald, the differential between free throws and least amount of fouls taken is going up. It went way up last year. Well, if we take more threes, it'll be more like this. It'll be an X. And you never want to see an X on a graph. That's not good. That's not good. That means either things have gotten a little better because they were bad or things have gotten a little worse because they were good. Uh, well, so I, I, agree with, I agree with Darren. Darren says, if you know, getting up the other team in foul trouble was a huge bu- bonus for us. In a lot of games, you get the team to the, you know, get to the foul line. We a lot got team- into the, yeah. we got to the line about five or six minutes into a quarter, uh, very quickly, Gerald. It, it, it was fast. So yes, that that's another that's another little uh, piece of the offense that I don't want to see kind of ripped apart. Well, Zangerstein's saying it's not going to happen again, that we're not going to have that kind of differential. And while that's a record differential, and obviously that's tough to repeat, and if you're not going to be anywhere close, okay, then be more efficient with with who is shooting the ball. And Zangerstein is always talking about variance for AD, variance for AD. That's going to refine his whole whole game. Well, if he's only getting 20 shots a game, let's say, what, 17, 20 shots a game, and six of them are now coming from beyond the arc instead of maybe three or four that could have gone inside the arc. I don't know. Would the statistics bear it out? I mean, they obviously say, well, if you need to shoot uh, from the back, if you shoot from the three-point area at such a percent, it's just like shooting from inside at such a percent. You know, that's will that will that balance out if he shoots an ex, a more expanded amount of threes? That's that's my problem. I'm I'm starting. I'm still having a tough time to grip. You know, come to grips with. Yeah, it, but but I mean, uh, uh, Rich Cohen, who was our great guest uh, Sunday, had a had a great statement where he said, "Yeah, 
the threes have gone up, but the closer you get to the basket, those free throws get a lot easier, especially if uh, if you're in a flow of an offense. So um, go ahead, Gerald. Well, Zanger signs saying AD will not shoot six threes. Well, I, okay, that may be the case, Zangerstein, but Ham is on the record saying in an article today, you could read it on ESPN. I just showed you some of the stats from that article that says he wants AD to shoot threes, six threes a game. I don't know if that will come to fruition. Again, Magic Man said the statistics bear that bear out that he only ever has done it five times to get in that range, but it's something where, again, it comes to the efficiency of the shot. And the fact is, if you have, if you want to take more threes, I have no problems with that as a team. Its problem is who you allocate those threes out to is probably the wisest way of saying it. I mean, it just, to me, it just seems weird that we are accentuating and just you know, highlighting Anthony Davis and his threes. When the fact is, in the same article, he is statistically one of the worst shooters from the outside the past three seasons. Uh, yeah, no, Gerald. I mean, you put you put it you put it very very eloquently there. Yes, it's about resource allocation. You know, you can't you can't have a surplus of resources in one area and then a deficit in another. It's going just to create an imbalance, and that's a very good point. Um, I think that you got to stick with what works. I mean, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I liked uh, I liked the uh, the process that the offense went through, and we're we're adding in quality players. I I, I really don't see why there should be this seismic shift uh, away from that. Uh, you know, I, while I agree that um, they probably there should be an uptick uh, in the quality of the threes they take, they should still be like we said opportunistic very opportunistic about when you want to bomb away because you play this game against tall teams, big teams, Memphis Grizzlies, New Orleans Pelicans. If you're not matching them offensively, they just have athletes that will are on pogo sticks and will gobble up these rebounds. So I don't like the idea of just because uh, it, it's, uh, it's uh, in fashion um, to be a glutton from the three-point line, Gerald, that we should we should follow suit. Um, we our our um, our recipe was pretty clear: play great defense without fouling, uh, be opportunistic in transition in the paint, get to the free throw line, and attack, attack, attack. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching. And listening. we're talking about the Lakers. Possibly uh, going with a new direction as far as increasing the number three pointer shots per game, three point attempts, which we have no problems with because they were pretty much one of the worst teams or had the least, you know, one of the fewest amounts of three point attempts out there. So that's fine. It can go up. And again, the problem is, though, as I stated over the course of many times during the course of this offseason, the Lakers were 25th in three-point efficiency. So if they're going to take more threes, which, again, I do not have a problem with. Remember some of my backgrounds and my favorite teams was the three-point happy Loyola Marymount Lions back in the late 80s and early 90s. So have absolutely no qualms with that. It's who is taking it and how many times you're taking it. I mean, again, it just comes to the point where 
yes, AD may not end up taking six threes a game, but the fact is the green light is out there. The offense is more dialed in. You're trying to emulate other offenses in the NBA, i.e. Golden State, uh, what other three-point happy teams, like like maybe you could say Dallas is going to be in that mix. You're going to say other teams that, that really rely on the three-point shot. Phoenix is going to rely on the three-point shot. The Cavalier, the Cavaliers. Cavaliers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They're going to be in the top five as well. Yeah, so that's fine. That's all well and good. But the thing is, you've got to have the ball in the hands of the right people shooting those threes. And we've seen how frustrated our fan base has been each and every game. LeBron shoots seven to nine threes a game at 35% or below, usually below 35%. It is not an effective shot for him now, unless he somehow finds that recreates that Miami magic that he had where he was closer to 40% and above 40% in one year. So I don't know. It just seems like to me, Yes, I understand Z saying, oh, this is to build confidence. This is to build, you know, this is the team. This is just speak and all that. But AD's been in the league for 12 years, my friend. AD's been in the league for a long time. You know, he doesn't need continual pats on the back anymore. The team just gave him a how many hundreds of millions of dollars pat in the back just, just this summer? They need to go ahead and get championships and find the best way to do it and most efficient way to do it with the roster you have. I understand it's a lot of it's about placating egos. I get that. But still, playing smart basketball is the best way the Lakers can go ahead and win another championship. Yeah, absolutely, Gerald. Um, absolutely. Um, there's no question about it. And it, it's all about the game is about efficiency. You know, Gerald, think about it. How many guys in the NBA do you know that can be a a volume three-point shooter while shooting at a good clip without the need for secondary facilitation? Z is bad at me. Z is terribly bad at me. (laughs) Go ahead, my friend. I can only think of about about three right now, Gerald. Uh, uh, actually, Z- Zangerstein, actually, uh, Magic Man uh, put it up uh, earlier in the, in the show that it was actually in 12 years, when did AD shoot more than three threes a game? He actually uh, quoted five times, I think, was that if that was correct. So I- I'm just saying when it comes to it. And once it, in the playoffs, Gerald, yeah, once yeah. he shot but, over six. But Darren has a good point, okay? Maybe he won't shoot the six threes a game, but he'll be out there on the on, uh, at the edge of the three-point line. Well, and, trying and to space is, me out. And right. the thing is, he his man, knowing he's not a great shooter from out there, does not come out. So he's out there literally taking himself out of the play or many plays if he doesn't get the ball. That's, that's my point. The more you have him out on the three-point line, the less effective he may be absolutely absolutely you know this isn't lamar odom 2.0 gerald exactly lamar Lamar was able to do that if you sagged off lamar he was able to dribble drive and he could make that dribble drive three gerald he was he ended the orlando series with two three-pointers in the second half he was very adept at it but you're talking about a outstanding player there with just a different skill set uh, as a big man, slightly different tools. Um, and you can't ask AD to do that again. Um, now, if he, now, Alan says if he does make it, though, we do become unguardable. Yeah, if LeBron shoots at 36 to 38%, 
if AD shoots 36 to 38%, I'm not asking for 40% from those guys. If they shoot 30, above 35%, that does make this team a lot more difficult to guard. But the numbers just don't bear it out over the course of a, what, 82-game season, Yeah, I, even I, though you know, they only played 65 or 70 games. That's right, Joe. They may, I mean, we love when LeBron has those streaks, right? But we, we're bound to know that at some point at the end of the year, he's going to finish where he normally does, around 34%. Yeah. 34 to 36. That's the number with him. You know, if he shoots 36, that's a bonus. But well, sometimes yeah, he, he, well, it seems like alternate. Sometimes he shoots 34 to 36. Sometimes he shoots 32 to 34. That's the bad part when he shoots with the kind of volume that he shoots on. Now you're asking AD to increase his volume from out there. Again, it's not just the fact that he's out there even possibly shooting. It's the fact he's out there more times out behind the three-point line, trying to space things out, except he's not drawing the defense out there. We saw last night, Claxton really was letting him going ahead and, okay, shoot the three. And he made uh, he made some, of course, the past couple games. Absolutely. If he can shoot like that, that's fine. But the problem is, when it comes to AD, when it comes to LeBron, if you want them shooting more, understand there's going to be some effect whether it's good or bad it'll be determined as we see over the course of the entire season yeah 100 percent and um he, darren he only made one that's right and uh, you know as i was trying to illustrate uh, earlier drill if you look at uh, advanced stats there's a particular one that i really pay attention to especially when we're talking about big men and threes so it's the percent percentage of field goals assisted. That's the percentage of field goals a player had assist needed an assist on. In four seasons, AD's uh, assist percentage from three is at a thousand percent. So my point is, is that you can't put a round put a round peg in a square hole and vice versa. You can't pull AD out to the three, ask him to be a volume three-point shooter when that's not his game. He's not able to do that. He needs help. He needs help. Like consistently, Gerald, to make threes. There are only a handful of guys who have the ability to be a volume three-point shooter at a good clip uh, without secondary facilitation. Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry. And I would put mm, I'd put Dame in there right now, too. So those five guys. But those are only five guys out of 450. And AD is not one of those guys. So there is no way in hell that you can inc- ask him to increase. First of all, if you're asking him to increase the field goal attempts, great job. Great job. Just we're not going to take threes, Gerald. We're not going to ask AD to take threes. He's almost a career 52% shooter from the field. He's usually 55 to almost 60% from two-pointers. He's still very efficient in the painted area, you know, high 60s. His mid-range was the one thing that got that went away from him as far as us we talked yeah, about. Yeah, it, it was really low. The most important thing for him was his his mid-range which got away from him, which as we saw from the numbers his jump shots, his jump shooting the past three seasons, he is dead last in the entire league. 
So that is of concern to me. But, you know, Alan in the chat room, he has been uh, great with his suggestion. He wants Reeves and Delos with four to six a game, Prince with three to five, Rui with two to four. If Wood can find a stroke with two to four, that's fine by me because those guys are proven three-point shooters that have been able to go ahead and shoot at a high volume over the course of multiple seasons. Well, Austin Reeves hasn't over multiple seasons, but you get my drift. It looks like he's he's going to be a pretty good shooter in this league. So with LeBron, he's just going to take whatever he's going to take. He's LeBron. You, you really can't argue with him. You just say, go ahead, do your LeBron stuff, and we'll deal with it. It's AD being pulled out constantly, whether he's shooting or not. That's what I have concern about because it takes away – from what you're trying to tell me that you want him doing most is shooting the ball inside the paint and shooting it with great efficiency inside there. Yeah, no, Gerald, it, it kind of feel it almost feels like that kind of offense is like an inverted spider web that we're being caught in. I, and I understand that's where the league is, is progressed to. And I get that. And I like the threes. I like seeing people take, you know, chucking up threes. I think it's great. I, I understand the statistical analysis of it. And Zangerstein says, oh, it's to create variance. And that's not, again, I get it. I, I understand. So, it, so, but the thing is though, if he makes one of every three, that's 33%, right? Yes. That's one of his highest seasons ever. If he makes one out of three, that'll be one of his highest seasons ever. As far as efficiency from behind the three point arc. I can live with him shooting three a game, but it's when you talk about four, five, and six, and you want to shoot more. And, and Zangerstein had a good point. In 2020, Vogel was asking him to do the same, and he never ended up close to that. And, you know, I, I understand and I get that. The fact is you can talk all you want, but it just it just seems like if you're really targeting or trying to utilize him as a weapon from the outside on a more regular basis, I'm not sure that's the wisest course of action for your offense. No, it, it, it isn't. Uh, it, it's not, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Apples and oranges, I can understand that. But you don't see Mark Dagnall saying, oh, well, you know, I need Shea to shoot about six threes a game. No, no. First of all, if you asked Shea to shoot six threes a game, he invariably would ask, why? We have three-point shooters around me. I don't really want to be a volume three-point shooter. That's not my game. He's turned him in, turned himself into the mid-range king of the NBA now, Gerald. So it, you know, it again, it's like some 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 guys are steak. Some guys are coleslaw and the side, Gerald. Part of AD's offensive game is the three pointer, but it's a side. It's the coleslaw. Boston lives. It's going to be living off the three pointer, the three like they point. did last night. Yeah, his AD's stake is we know mid range in that sixteen feet in. That's his game. He was a little disappointing last year. You know, sixteen feet out, you shot less than forty percent. 37%. That's not really but good. But inside the paint, he's extremely efficient. And oh, you're asking him to step absolutely. out away from that more often. So, uh, Absolutely. Almost a, almost a 70% uh, finisher at the rim, Gerald. Not mm -hmm. to mention he was top 10 in free throws last year. And he could very well end up in top 10 again, given the amount of shooting we have, which is going to open up more opportunities for pain opportunities. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout 
but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. It is Gerald Glasser along with the Magic Man, Sean Grice. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Everybody in the chat, it's just been truly incredible. As always, hey, whether you're questioning me or sharing your opinion, we absolutely love it. And speaking of sharing their opinion, earlier today, you and I got an email uh, along with Joe, uh, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Please always feel to go feel free to go ahead and, and reach out to us via that, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com, or in the comments below, even after you watch this. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because you actually sent uh, Rodell Johnson, who uh, actually sent us a, an email, says, you guys are bashing JHS. Yeah, you, you could say that. Please stop telling us about Cam Whitmore. Well, that's Joe, but I, I agree with Joe on that aspect. A lot of teams passed on him for a reason. Well, uh, the reasons have been noted uh, in regards to poor interviews, poor workouts, uh, and some possible health issues. He hasn't played an NBA game and wouldn't be playing on the Lakers this year anyway. Well, the way he looked in summer league, I think he'd probably get a better opportunity, especially with the entry to Cam Reddish. So stop with the Cam Whitmore talk. Well, uh, Sean, I'm going to tell you right now, asking Joe to stop doing anything, as you know, my friend, behind the scenes is a exercise in futility, to say the least, my friend. We didn't pick him. Please move on and get over it. No, I don't think you're going to get Joe. Joe's going to get over it, especially if Cam Whitmore does anything or any of the draftees behind number 18 uh, as far as the draft goes. I think we're going to continue to see and, and try and make compare no, comparative notes down, you know, if uh, Jaime Jaquez or, or you know, uh, just any of the number. But Omax Prosper, I think, was was also below. Mm. Yeah, so there's several that uh, Joe and I are were eyeing that probably could have, we thought would have been a better fit at the pick for the Lakers. So I think you're probably going to hear more and more of that. And I'm going to have a conversation hopefully in the next couple of weeks with our good friend, Rafael Barlow, that uh, probably will accentuate some of that as well. But he says, uh, JHS actually looks better than Max Christie last year when he was a rookie playing the summer league. Your thoughts, my friend, on that? Because I will give him that. Max Christie kind of struggled in the summer league last year. But JHS absolutely looked terrible in the summer league. I think they both look bad in the summer league last, you know, in their first years. Uh, Max Christie obviously lit it up in the summer league this year. Uh, and he, he's been looking for the most part, yeah, you know, the yesterday it was a kind of a little bit of struggle, but Max Christie's still bit looking, looking pretty strong, like a member of the rotation or he should be JHS looks like he's nowhere near ready for NBA basketball, much less the Lakers rotation. But let me finish this up and I'll have you answer what you answered basically to Rodell there. And by the way, thank you Rodell for sending it in. We always appreciate whether it's against us or for us. Uh, we do appreciate you taking the time to check us out and actually sending something in. So we do appreciate your opinion. Uh, he is young. He's a young player playing in the hardest position in the NBA. We'll give you that. He is going to be fine. Brandon Ingram looked horrible his first year in the NBA too. So your thoughts on this, my friend. Uh, when it comes to what we see with JHS, Jalen Huchifino, uh, again, 
he, he is a rookie. And so we have to take that into consideration. It is a learning curve for him. And it is going to take some time. Uh, I'm not going to be wrong on that. But he has had several games now. We're talking in, in multitude of close to 10 games now playing against, in some cases, in a lot of cases, NBA-level talent. Your thoughts on where JHS stands and have we been too hard on him as far as what we what stands right now? Well, you know, Gerald, I think uh, I think overall as a, as a fan base, I think that maybe the Laker, Laker fan base at times, not all of us, but uh, some of us, especially from the draft night, uh, flew too close to the sun about hitching a ride on the, the Cam Whitmore Express. You were not as high on him as Joe or I. So no, I no, no, I wasn't. Now, I, I didn't think, uh, I got to be honest, Gerald, um, Joe, Joe made a really good point when he said, when you get into the teens, it's very important to hit. You got to hit mm-hmm. on the teens. And he that's a salient point. He, he made a very uh, convincing argument that that is correct. It, and you know it, it's still to be to, story still to be told. Neither player has played a game in the NBA yet, and I agree with Rodell that the comp should stop. And you know if if Lakers, uh, other Laker fans want to uh, have a wandering eye and and seeing what uh, Cam Whitmore is doing in Houston, Texas, by all means go for it. We're with the Lakers, so I'm more a lot more interested in JHS's uh, progress because that's who we But when JHS looks bad, when a player, period, on the Lakers looks bad, should we not, as part of what we do here at the Lakers Fast Break, what we're known for, should we not call it out? Yes, that's what you've asked of us from the very beginning, and that's what you expect of yourself. So uh, we always deliver that. We call it like we see it, and I would say this. Um, appreciate Rodell's comments. I would yeah, say this. Absolutely. As do I. I would say this. I would say the LFB has been a little more correct on the trajectory of JHS's progress than, say, some uh, Lakers insiders have, Gerald. Well, and you I say would... Mike Trudell and some others that have been yes, reporting. I know it's would... been a source of what people have talked about. And Joe will probably, if he was here, uh, go on a rant about Mike Trudell and the way he's been reporting and, you know, all the Lakers commenting. Well, some of it's been the Lakers themselves and coach and saying MVP of the summer of the uh, training camp. And, you know, AD, I'm a big uh, JHS supporter, and JHS fan after watching him today in practice and, you know, all this stuff that they're, they're blowing and, smoke, and, you know, and that's, you know, and that's, they're blowing smoke up our, you know what? Yes, they are big time, big time. And see, that's, that's the problem with asking fans to be objective. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Glassford was correct saying that we are not at practice. We are not seeing this. So you're relying on the eye test of supposed uh, people who know what they're writing about and talking about. And as Gerald just illustrated, what you see with JHS in practice might be a world beater, Gerald. But when the live bullets have been flying here, he hasn't been up to snuff. I'll just say it front like this. When it comes to JHS, uh, JHS, uh, you know, for an 18th pick, had the chance and had the opportunity in camp, my friend, to go ahead and beat out Gabe Vincent for the backup 
point guard role. I mean, that's something where Gabe Vincent, he comes in, he's steady, but hasn't shot the ball well and hasn't done anything like super outstanding. Plays some pretty uh, solid defense, and that's what he does. You know, he tries hard. Effort's always there with Gabe Vincent. I see that. I get that. And I've seen that in his Miami days as well. But he's not done something that's like truly outstanding to solidify 110%. He's going to be the backup point guard until you get to the fact that JHS has just looked out of his league at this point in time. He looks like he needs a ton of work at the development level. He needs a ton of work in the G League. He does not need to sit on a bench and work out with the trainers before games. He needs to be at the South Bay Lakers in El Segundo for the entire season. I think that would do him a world of good because he is a long ways away from being a rotation player in this league. And I get Rodell. He's going to be fine. I don't know if he's going to be fine because I've been analyzing the draft for years now. I'm not at the level that Rafael Barlow is, but you've seen me. I've done draft shows. I've done draft previews in the past. I used to write draft previews and used to look at this as far as seeing tape and seeing video of uh, and YouTube of these guys and just while analyzing whole games and watching whole games. They used to be seeing this stuff for hours and hours on end. So I put some time into it and I've seen the fact that we can all be wrong at from period of time time to time and there's there's a whole bunch of players over the past few years and drafted in the first round who have not panned out have not worked out i think off last night when somebody was talking about uh you know on one of the shows about killian hayes this is a do or die season for him because he's been a miserable flop as a top five pick i mean we why do we have the top uh, what the eighth ninth and tenth pick for was it the 2019 draft mm-hmm. yes we have the eighth ninth and 10th pick from the 2019 draft because they all failed with their original teams. So don't tell me he's going to be fine because that's not a hundred percent deal right now. It could be fine. Absolutely could be fine. But the problem is we're not sure if he will be fine because we've seen so many failures in the draft previously by all the teams and the Lakers have been fortunate enough to draft well or they've drafted a lot of rotation players, whether they've stuck with the Lakers or not. I just see some issues going forward with him that he needs to address. He needs to get with the coaches and he needs to do it at the developmental league where he's actually playing minutes out there on the floor continuously before you go ahead and throw him out on the floor for the Lakers. Yeah, Gerald. I mean, we're just kind of being honest about what we're seeing, you know, can't separate the body from the mind when you're on the basketball court. And Zangerstein but, likes Maxwell Lewis more than JHS. I'm still, uh, you know, on the fence on Maxwell Lewis. He had a decent game, his best game yesterday. But then again, this is the kid who got donuts in three games in the summer league and looked absolutely lost. So I'm hoping he'll regain some of that because I did see him at Pepperdine. And I do think the kid has some potential as well. But again, he needs a full season in El Segundo as well. Yeah, they both they they both need time to process the NBA game on a little less of a stress level, Gerald. That's yeah, that, absolutely. that's that's the big issue here. They're very stressed out. It's it and guess what? When we all started a job, we were all stressed out too. But there comes a point in time where the rubber needs to meet the road, and as Gerald has illustrated, how we have said it throughout the summer is that 
there is an outline there of a really good player, and I'm a more long seed than I am Gerald with Maxwell Lewis, but with JHS, there's a bit of a different. Yeah, he's six six. Yes, he's not the biggest. Uh, uh, he's not the most profound athlete that's ever come out of the draft. So he's more ground or pound. As Gerald was saying, if you're ground or pound, gotta take better angles. Gotta shoot. Gotta shoot. Rod, Strick, Rod Strickland was a great facilitator, but he never had a jump shot. I don't and think... I agree with you. NBA point guard is the hardest game to, you know, a position it is. to play. It is. But then again, now these days you're seeing more tradi- non-traditional point guards play the point. Devin Booker will be the lead guard and no longer the point guard. He, and you know, so that just shows you that maybe the point guard position in and of itself is changing as well. Absolutely, Gerald. That that whole position has kind of yeah, gone through uh, a bit of a um, um, uh, makeover. A, a and, and, and Rodell was right. Brandon Ingram absolutely stunk it up his first year in the league. Uh, I still just taking a look at the stats. Nine points, four rebounds, two assists in 79 games. Shot only 40% from the field, 29% from three. And he actually shot free throws absolutely terrible at 62%. So, yeah, he was miserable his first year in the league. And you're right. He became a all-star level player, uh, depending on who you talk to, as far as a franchise player, depending on who you talk to, but he became a very good player in the league. So there is that possibility. He could become just that. I'm not putting it out there, but he needs a lot of development and time and reps. And he's not going to get that sitting on the bench in his, uh, you know, in his warmups, just being able to shoot only before and during halftime. Well, and Gerald, let, let's let's not. That's a, that was a very good point by Rodell, and I and and in yeah, the absolutely. in the vacuum, you agree with it. Brendan Ingram was also a number two overall pick. Though, like there there was just a there is a distinct huge Gerald huge difference between the raw talent of a number two pick like Ingram versus JHS. Big time. Even even Rodell would have to admit that. I mean, uh, and yes, his first season was a little miserable. But Gerald, do we all remember what happened that that summer league? He played in one game. He played in one game, uh, lit the court up, and the Lakers sat him down. Magic sat him down. Magic sat him down. Yes, correct correction, Gerald. Yes, Magic sat him down. And he had, Didn't he, he tweak a, something? And Magic said, "No more, oh, no yeah, more." That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. by the way, we went on to win the summer league championship. Yeah. That, but I mean, there's a huge difference there. JHS was not as highly touted uh, coming out of the coming. Yeah, I was draft. a top five pick. He was, but the, he also was. the key is there that yes, he was terrible his first season, but he played 29 minutes a game. For 79 games, he went out there and took his lumps, lumps and actually learned what the league was like out there on an every game basis. You're not going to see JHS for 79 games at 29 minutes a game out there for the Lakers. If that's the case, it's not going to be a good season for the Lakers The way, from what we've seen so far, that from what, we've, from what he's demonstrated so far. He's going to be taking a, a huge amount of lumps. He needs to play 29 minutes, 30 minutes a game. But he needs to do that somewhere where he can develop and, like you said, make mistakes and learn from them and grow as a player. Just actually see if he can become the player the Lakers hope he can be. 
Absolutely, Gerald. And like you said, I, I, hopefully that will coincide with with Maxwell Lewis as well. And, you know, they've drafted in the same class. You'd, you'd expect you'd want them to develop together if they could. So yeah. so that that's important as well. And yes, it would be it would be disastrous to ask JHS to play twenty nine minutes a game in the NBA because I personally, physically, Gerald, I you know every just about every eighteen nineteen year old that comes out in the NBA somewhere down the line in the, in that rookie season they get an injury or two because their body is also not prepared for the grind. You know what's also disastrous? Asking Joe to go ahead and do anything. Because behind the scenes, you know, as you pretty much have figured out, Joe, if you've watched him at all, you realize he's beats to his own drummer. And unfortunately, when you ask him to do things, he doesn't comply uh, at least very well. Remember the phrase I asked him to stop comp- saying in comparisons to that one player and it yes. took him like four times for me to say before he finally you know what i think you're right joe maybe i shouldn't say that so in the case of him comparing cam whitmore to jhs he's not going to stop doing it rodell with all due respect to you he's just not going to stop doing it so be prepared out there you'll probably hear it from time to time if that's the thing if cam whitmore is hidden on the bench because they have a whole ton of wings and that's a very good possibility rodell you could be right. We need to stop making the comparisons because he might not get enough burn or run because he's not even the most desired of the two wings. He's the second wing that was drafted, not the first. And Gerald. Draft. Um, um, and Thompson was, and he's going to be the one that's going to get more burn, you know, from the wing position. But, uh, you know, if Cam Whitmore starts to blow up in any which way, you know Joe's going to let us know about it. Yeah, he is. But, I, you know, I, I like that. Not to veer off too much, but I do. I also remember that Gerald, uh, Joe, and Stone also like pods over uh, over JHS, and thought that might have been a better pick as well. But nobody talks oh, about Yeah. Okay, Potsiemski. Well, he owned uh, JHS. On, he did. On he did. But yeah. well, all I'm sa- all I'm saying is that you know we, you can quibble till the cows come home about all these uh, comps and. Who should have selected whom? You know, uh, Gerald. I, I, in the end, I think obviously it's 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 in JHS's hands. The, his his career trajectory about success. It's always um, in their hands. They've got to work it, on their game. Yeah, and you like you can and 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 again, it needs to be emphasized. It's dip, it should be a different mentality now in twenty twenty three. If you get drafted, say in the teens to, you know, the, the, the 56th pick in the second round, there's a chance for me to develop my game uh, with the assistance of an NBA team that's going to allow me to try and be as successful as I can. Why wouldn't you take that opportunity? Have the right attitude. And I think the kid does have the right attitude, Gerald. No, I'm not saying he doesn't. He no, no, no. Right I, I, I know you're not. I know you're not. But what I'm saying is it's a very different situation than, say, Gerald, uh, like a number three pick overall, Hashim Thabit, who has to go down to the G League. That's disastrous. That's well, it's, a whole it's different a crapshoot. It's, it's a all, whole basically the draft is a crapshoot. Crap from yes. all 
Yes. I mean, even if he's a, if he, like Victor Wembanyama, seems like a can't miss, right? Seems like he's probably you know the greatest prospect since LeBron, blah 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 blah, and all that stuff you've heard already. And he looked tremendous last night against Chet Holmgren. But what if he gets an injury like Chet Holmgren is out the entire year, and it just leads to a series of injuries? Then he becomes a player that missed. I mean, we've seen this before. You know, Sam Bowie. Uh, Sam Bowie was going to be the greatest center of all time when he was drafted ahead of Michael Jordan. And look what happened there. Greg Oden. See, you know, there's a list of players in the draft, whether high, mid, or low, that for various reasons throughout, the, you know, whether it's because themselves or whether it's because that fate had something else in mind for them that they didn't make the didn't make the league. So we'll see what happens. Jade just could very well be a player we're talking about favorably in the years to come. And I hope that's the case. I'm a Lakers fan through and through. I certainly hope that's the case. We don't enjoy bashing the kid, but don't tell us ever, don't ever tell us to not be honest with you and give you our honest opinion at all times. I mean, even Laker Tom, who likes to see the, the, the sunnier side of things, excuse me, the more purple and gold types of things. He even says, you know, the kid is struggling and hopefully it's going to work out for him as well. So be that as it may, Rodell, keep on sending us the emails. We're truly appreciative of it. We cannot thank you enough. And everybody out there, if you have a question, if you want to leave it below or LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com, anytime. We'll try and go ahead and do it and respond accordingly. That's not a problem. And Gerald, I, just, I just understand, though, we're always going to be honest with you from the heart, and we're not going to go ahead and try and do things what, the way the others do that are corporatized and that are standardized and pacified. And and asking Joe to do any of that is just, for me, it's just, you know, I'll be calcified if that's the case, you know. <laughs> Gerald, but uh... Bloodhound says the Killian Hayes comp is fair because, yeah, he was drafted – was he drafted seven? I thought he was drafted he was, higher. He was drafted. He was drafted seventh. Yeah. Really? I because th- he yeah. was he was okay. It's just O'Connor thought he was the number one pick at that time. Yes, yeah, he that's, did. That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't couldn't that. even couldn't even make the uh, the French squad this summer, yeah. Gerald. So yeah, that, it's that's been a, it's been a rude uh, crash for Killing Ace. But if you have questions out there on your or you want to share your thoughts, again, LakersFastBreakerYahoo.com, always in the best Lakers chat room that's out there, the Lakers Fast Break, or right down below, right there in the comments after we go off the air. It is always welcomed. It is always appreciated and truly cannot thank you enough for doing so and being part of our community. You know, Laker Tom, you know, he, this is his dream now, though, when it comes back to our original conversation before we get to our final topic. You know, I was thinking about, you know, the stretch five that AD wants the dream. Now, Laker Tom is going to have these dreams that AD is now stretch five shooting six times a game, having those wonderful dreams there, Sean. So, You'll see those heavenly light beams shining on exactly, his face, the just gentle music flowing. Yes, absolutely. As AD shoots another three after another three after another three. But my friend, before we head on out, I told you that I was delayed uh, because today and tomorrow is Amazon Prime Days. So even if you're listening, you can go ahead and check out the deals. So I thought in what I would do is I would go ahead and not only purchase some things for myself, I would also go ahead and check out some of the deals that are out there for people right there that by typing in Lakers and is anything on sale for everyone out there shopping. So I thought I'd go ahead and show you. So 
whether you have Amazon Canada or Amazon Philippines or Amazon South America, you know, wherever you have Amazon, there should be a ton of stuff on sale. So I went right now and took a look at some of the things and I'm going to scroll down real carefully. Look at those shorts there, Magic Man. Uh, Magic Johnson, the, you know, uh, actually it's a Funko Pop. Magic Johnson, $4.99 on sale. Workout shorts, Lakers workout shorts, 20 bucks right there. Uh, Lakers shirts right there, under $20. Not too shabby. Although there is, take a look at this, Magic Man. Russell Westbrook Funko Pop. You can't even get rid of that sucker for $4.99. Uh, <laughs> But you can see right there, there's a ton of stuff that's under $20 or right just a little under $25. You see the Mamba jersey out there, Sean. I know that's something you've always been interested in for 20 bucks right there for you. Mm -hmm. So some really good stuff. Jogging pants because it's going to get a little colder here soon. Some art that's displayed. Uh, really cool stuff. I know there's on the second page some good stuff as well that's going to be uh, that's going to be available that I'm going to show you here in a sec. But your thoughts, my friend, on looking for some Laker deals on Amazon Prime Days. Oh, take advantage of it, guys. I'm about to. Look at that with the neon signs for your game room or your TV room out there, guys and gals. Uh, Laker neon signs, almost half off. 30 bucks off listed retail for right now. <laughs> there you go. Pretty good deals. Pretty good deals indeed. And these are just the things that are on Amazon Prime deal days as far as they, they've had a ton of other stuff for Lakers. But these are the ones that I pushed on as far as for the Prime deals. These are going on. These sale prices are only going on for two days only. Today as we're speaking and also tomorrow. That's the 10th and 11th for Amazon Prime days. Look at that varsity jacket for you. Fit uh, 20 bucks off right there. Not too shabby. Not too shabby right there. The shirts, clothes, line of stuff out there, even party sets uh, for your Lakers birthday party. There you go. Uh, you got other great uh, outfits again right there. Absolutely. Ooh, look at that hoodie there for 30 bucks. There you go. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Could be part of the Magic Man set there. Might have to go shopping. Get you some Lakers sandals. Ooh, hoo, hoo. There you go. But any last thoughts, my friend, on the Amazon Prime deals before we head on out? Get them while the getting's good, guys. Lakers gear is so expensive. Uh, when you can get the deals, take advantage of it. From a person who's been ripped off before, trust me, take advantage of these prime deals. Bloodhound, again, go to Amazon. You want that neon sign for your room or your office? Uh, I would. I'm just thinking about it for here, but it is. 30 bucks off right now. It's normally $79.99 retail. It is $49.99 for Amazon Prime Day. So that's a pretty good price right there for you. So you might want to take a look at that. Uh, again, just some great deals. Zanger Science says Prime Day for books is what I am in for. Absolutely, Z. You know it. Great deals are abound. Go for it. And you know with Audible and all that, they've got, oh, I, you might like, it sounds like you like the hardcovers. In fact, I got, I actually got it. I've got to pick it up. I've got the book, Magic Man, from Rich Cohen. So I got I'll show that to everybody tomorrow night. But yes, the hardcover of that. But I did get did get my hands on it. So I got a copy. So yes, and I did get the copy today, the hard copy for the author we're gonna speak to later this month. So I gotta show that to you as well. So I will say though, again, it's been great having you on the show. Truly cannot thank everyone enough for being part of the show tonight. Tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific. Playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. It is live on Playback as we go ahead and share 
our thoughts and our experiences with you on playback.tv Lakers Fast Break. Please join us as we watch the Lakers and the Kings tomorrow from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, also as well, of course, the post game, the best Lakers post game that can be found anywhere in the universe is always right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Magic Man, looking forward to more threes. Again, 31 was our average, 55 we shot on Monday. Uh, what are you expecting, my friend, to see tomorrow at the Honda Center? I'm thinking 40 plus, Gerald. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm kind of inkling. Yeah, it's gonna be 40 plus. I think. Ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully with the the same result at the end of the uh, game. Z said, "Yes, she does have hard, prefer hard covers, but she does have Audible as well. <laughs> Check out the deal, Zangerstein. Check them out. It's two days only for Amazon Prime Day, so go ahead and check it out. I will say though, before we head on out, I do want to mention, Magic Man, that LeBron will not be playing tomorrow. It has already been uh, confirmed that he will be absent from tomorrow's game. So, what are you looking for for tomorrow's game before we head on out?" Yeah, I'm Gerald. I'm I'm guessing Ham's gonna probably go with. Uh, uh, I guess we'll get an update on Vando, but if Vando's ready to go, I'm I'm wondering if uh, Rui's gonna be slotted next to him or whether they're gonna go with Prince. Is there any really rush to get Vando with the heel injury? Because those no. things are can nag you for a long time. Yeah, they really can. So I, I I'm expecting we'll see the same lineup we saw on uh, Sunday night. You mean the Saturday uh, one? Saturday one, excuse me. Uh, Saturday, yes. Hopefully with the, the same result. I'm, I, I, Gerald, LeBron avoid, uh, didn't play against Golden State at the Chase Center. There's no way he's not going to play Friday. He's definitely going to play Friday uh, at the Crypt against the Warriors. So, I mean, I, we, we expected this, right? Yeah, um, why go to Anaheim to go ahead and waste your energy? Yeah, Just and I don't. I can relax. And I don't expect them to play in Palm Springs either. So, so funny because Palm Springs was a key moment uh, for a couple episodes of Winning Time. So that just comes back to me right there. Uh, and then, of course, Anaheim. You know, that's so where we had talked about a long time where the Clippers should have. I, I still think the Clippers should have played there and sh- and should have rooted their home there. But you know, now they're going to get a nice brand new arena, so it's a moot point now. So. Need I digress, but that would have given them a little bit more, like the Angels, given them a little bit more, uh, you know, notoriety. I think a little bit more identity than being the LA's like distant ninth favorite team, I guess, in this in the city at this point in time. So I don't know, be that as it may. But you know what? It is what it is. Uh, it is the Lakers tomorrow from the Honda Center in Anaheim. Uh, go ahead and check it out with us. Playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. Of course, also as well, we're going to go ahead and have the best post game around. We'll be talking about what happened during the game, who looked good, who didn't look good. You know, whether it's JHS or someone else, we'll call it like we see it. Uh, Whether or not the comparisons are there, that's up to Joe if he stops by. But we thank you for stopping by. We thank you for taking the time out of your day to go ahead and catch us, even on on an off day. Yes, the... The T-Mobile arena here in town has been rocking. You have the Lake. Okay, first of all, you have the WNBA on Sunday. You have the Lakers on Monday. You have the Golden Knights getting their ring ceremony right now as we speak. Or actually, they're into the game now. And then on Wednesday, you have the WNBA finals. 
getting a little bit nervous, Magic Man, that I might have to go ahead and you know say what's going on with the WNBA Finals. Well, it, was, it was pretty close there in the fourth quarter, Gerald, till the Aces pulled away. I still feel pretty good. Okay. I, I ain't going to say much until game two passes. If game two passes and, and you know, the then Aces you can pull a little bit, but not too much. It ain't a, it ain't a done deal yet. Uh, I don't know. Stewart, li- Brandon Stewart is still playing at an MVP level, Gerald. Yeah. Don't, doubt, don't doubt Brianna. I, Aha Wilson, she's incredible. She's, yeah, just. My gosh, uh, you know it's a great series, and I'm look. I was look. I know a lot of people are looking forward to this. Probably the best WNBA series ever, did, as far as names, as far as. Did you know that the, the New York Liberty games. have never won a championship, Joe? No, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. But then again, I'm not putting them past them. They're a great team. Again, this looks like it's the best matchup ever on paper, as 100%. far as best players all around. So I'm hoping for the league that. It can get that notoriety, can get those ratings and have certain individuals, some of which have been on this panel, which I won't name, Joe Sorrell, who uh, continually bash the WNBA. So I'm hoping that this series will bring to light and bring to the betterment of the WNBA, give them the notoriety that these ladies deserve. Yeah, uh, 100%, Joe. And don't, don't ever dismiss the idea that this may be a breakthrough for the WNBA in the, in the 1980s there was a huge rivalry between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics and within that rivalry stepped onto the court a transformational basketball player named Michael Jeffrey Jordan now Gerald there is a transformational women's basketball player playing in Iowa Ames Iowa named Kayla Clark. If the Aces and Liberty can continue this rivalry and Kayla Clark sneaks into the WNBA, it might be a spark, Gerald. You never know. You never know. It could do just that. The league would sorely need it. But playing, you know, running up against the NFL, running up against uh, NBA basketball, NHL, it's a hard deal. But I wish those ladies a lot of luck. I wish those ladies success. And I wish the the league a tremendous amount of sex success going forward. So I'm really hoping that they can go ahead and get it done. Of course, I'm rooting for the aces. You're rooting for the Liberty. Uh, I know again, I'm not calling anything out until I see the championship held up. Then you never know. You never know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, it's great fun to go ahead and be part of what we're talking about here at the Lakers fast break. Go ahead and join us tomorrow. For the Lakers and the Kings, once again, 7 p.m. Pacific, of course, right there for you, playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. I know I say it all the time, but I got to say it again just to make sure you got it. Playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. Truly be a part of our awesome coverage each and every time out. Laker Nick stopped by. He's always great on the show. Laker Tom was there last time. He had a lot of fun with us. Joe is there from time to time. And it does get a little bit risque on the language there. Stuff you don't hear here, you hear there at playback. All right, Z. Uh, hoping everyone well. Wish everyone well over there too. Z, wishing you always the best. Wishing everybody in the chat room, Darren, search and destroy. Awesome as usual. Everybody as far as devotion, lifted, blue, bloodhound, bloodhound 73. 
all the bloodhounds, Eric, <laughs> everybody, tune, everybody that was a part of the show today. Cannot thank you enough. You've been awesome, and we truly appreciate it. And you're why we're here, and you're why we're, we're doing. And we cannot thank you enough. And we'll be here tomorrow to bring you more good stuff, the best post game in town, and the best Lakers coverage anywhere is right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.